Hello, and welcome to part two of our Star Wars conversation here on the Todd and Taylor show. Um, if you missed it, we have a part one to this episode. We talk about everything from the prequels to the original trilogy to The Force Awakens that's coming up. Um, you know, when what how we got into it when we were kids. Um, so I strongly suggest you check out part one um, before you jump into this. No spoilers or anything. Um, not any more than every other blog and crap is spoiling things for you, but it just might uh, make what we're about to talk about make a little bit more sense. Um, but I'm going to leave you to that, and we'll just jump in after the comment I made, which <laughs> ended episode one, or, or part one of this Star Wars episode. So thanks very much. Enjoy. <laughs> well, um, you know, and, and it speaks so much to that, that one of the most famous lines um, of Han Solo saying, I know, to Princess Leia when she says, I love you, mm -hmm. it came straight from Harrison. Yeah. Like, he yeah. Was, like, the script was, say, I love you, too. And he was like, that's stupid. Like, this guy would never say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, but, but, you know. That's the collaborative sort of vibe that was going on. By the way, Willard Huyck directed uh, Howard the Duck. Uh, Lucas was a producer. Nice. Well, you know, I, I think there's – a funny part of that is I think there is, was, you know, will persist to be a stigma of like if you say, well, he's not a director that works with people really well. But I think at this stage of movie directing, uh, it, that does not need to be, a, you know, like that is not an insult. Mm -hmm. There are directors that are going to work great with effects and yeah. and big budget like space battles and stuff, and they're not going to have the touch with with human to human interaction. And that's fine. Yeah. And, and maybe there was just this kind of feeling of like, no, 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 you know, we got to let George do it all yeah. rather than having a co-director that's going to work with humans. Anyway, all that is a larger setting to the point of, I don't think Jar Jar was ever a real actor standing next to them. I could be totally wrong about that, but I, maybe that's just a terrible impression I take away with, from no, it, you which know is that I, I think that's true. I yeah. That, I, I don't think they had any idea what he would look or sound like. Because I so remember well, – I, I say this because when they – when Andy Serkis did Gollum for the first time, everyone made a huge deal about how he oh, was there exactly. on set with them and he had the suit on. And then he had to go back and redo the same scenes again to for the, the mocap stuff. Yeah. Like they – and there was exactly. never like – they said it like it had never been done that way before. Right. And you even watch – you go back and watch Phantom Menace and like there's a lot of sight line, you know, eye lines. Oh, and yeah. Way, exactly. It's just like they could be looking at anything. Like it's, it's really hard to see. I mean <sighs> – yeah, and that's and that's totally what I think where part of it breaks down is like you don't there's not a human being there. He's not saying the lines in that accent to them. Yeah. He's not reacting in the right way. And <clears throat> you know, so it just gets kind of gets tacked onto the end. Everything about that character is is wrong. Like it just doesn't have the right feel to whatever the movie was that he was trying to shoot. Um which I think is the, so then the other thing I was going to say which gets us totally off base is there's a redditor who has uh, advanced the craziest conspiracy theory about Jar Jar, <laughs> which um, we'll have to put in the show notes somewhere. But it is amazing and basically argues that uh, Jar Jar was a secret master Jedi or Sith or something <laughs> and was such a master of mind control that we, the viewers, <laughs> didn't even see what a master manipulator he was. Uh -huh. But he has all this evidence of like, you know, he's from Naboo, which is the same place that uh, what's his name is from Palpatine. Palpatine and, you know, and 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 this great point, which is like in 
Star Wars where generally like one planet is all one species, like uh, the Wookiee planet or whatever, um, to have two different, you know, like if you grew up on the same planet and you were different uh, species or races or whatever, like you were basically like neighbors <laughs> because generally like, you know, people were spread out by planets. So it's like, of course, Palpatine knew Jar Jar. And uh, so he goes on this long, long, very involved conspiracy theory about this. And then he gets some uh, some of the commenters on it, give him this additional ammunition. I don't know if it's in the original post or, or if it just comes from the commenters that, you know, Lucas talks so much about how he had to rework <clears throat> even his story for the next two movies, given the vitriolic reception that Jar Jar received, the original posters uh, conspiracy is that Jar Jar was meant to be the Phantom Menace and the dark Lord <laughs> of the Sith that raises up like through those three movies. But he was so hatefully received <laughs> that Lucas had to like rewrite that. So of course I just, I'm like, Oh, I just want to see if that was really, well, you know what I told you know what I told you, but who you know who who that Reddit poster actually was, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was George Lucas. I'm convinced George. I'm convinced. I should write a Reddit about how that Reddit and all the subsequent responses are Reddit profiles created by George Lucas. <laughs> finally, having washed his hands of Lucasfilm, he was sitting there one night, just bored, going, you know, I'm going to tell them what's what, and he gets on there and just starts creating this this country. He's like, I would. If it's the last thing I do, damn it, I'm gonna. Let, they're gonna love Jar Jar. There's gonna be respect for Jar Jar. <laughs> in this one subversive Reddit that like yeah. like totally retcons the whole universe, so that we're all scratching our chins, going, "Did we miss something?" Like- I have this vision. I have this vision that George closed the deal. You know, he signed the paperwork. They took the photos. He went home. He had a he had a, a celebratory shot of whiskey. He's sitting there, and he's sitting in his library, and it's, it's you know he's pondering his life. He's like, God, what am I what am I going to do now? I don't I don't have a job to go to, and he's looking across the across the library at a poster of Jar Jar hanging on the wall, and it's just all the hated you know the voices of of you, the, you everybody calling him an idiot and hating like running through his mind. He's like, you know what, you know what, screw those people, and he gets on Reddit, and that's just you know. <laughs> he just starts typing. He just starts typing for days, and then finally, it's, his wife comes in. George, or, George, are you, you going to come to dinner? I'm just no, not yet. I'm not done. I'm not done yet. And just keeps uh, going. That's just like the la- like the last will and testament. He's gonna he's gonna write it on Reddit. Make sure it's heard. Just given I, the billions that he you know has made for companies with Star Wars over the years, you, I mean, if it really were, if that really were his intention. I can't believe that he wouldn't go back and just say, you know what, we're making special editions of episodes <laughs> two and three where Jar Jar really does turn out to be, you know, the Phantom Menace. I'm surprised he didn't – one of the conditions of the deal because you know they're doing this new trilogy and then they're doing these supplemental, um, these supplemental movies. I'm surprised one of the conditions wasn't Jar Jar gets his own movie. You have to do a Jar Jar uh, – exclusive Jar Jar movie to, uh, to get – if you want it, you have to – that's what you have to do. Well, I, the conversation about Jar Jar, I think, leads into this this one thing that I wanted to take us into the you know the new movie and and also talking about like um, one of these questions you had on here about what what makes them better and stuff like that is that I, you know like I was saying I think the that first movie in Jar Jar it really felt like oh this is for kids even though those maybe the prequels two and three weren't really for kids. Um, they're just there's that feeling. That's just a feeling I took away from it. it. Was like, oh, this universe is for children, and I'm not. You know what though? You just you just nailed why I think why I like. I mean, I don't 
love i don't think three is a perfect movie by any stretch but it definitely of all the the prequels it feels the most connected to four five and six largely because it 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 really does leave us in the universe that we know but it's it's the least kid-friendly you just nailed it it's the least kid-friendly movie and i think because it takes itself that seriously it does feel like there's a stronger connective tissue creatively to what's going on i was gonna say i think that's that's part of this anticipation for seven for force awakens is because we're we're getting that feeling of this is for both you know the the kids who are going to be introduced to the Star Wars universe through this movie, and for the adults who grew up with the other ones. That's that's just the feeling mm-hmm. I take away from it, which is like, you know, it, I can go watch it. I'm going to love it. My niece is going to love it. Like she's going to grow up watching these movies, and and be into it. And that to me is like, it doesn't really have to do with. I mean, you know, I, I always hate feeling like the some marketing magic has has hooked me in, but I think more than more than just the marketing is that feeling of like, no, 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 this is, you know, it is connected to the universe I grew up with and it's, you know, it's going to be for me and the kids. It's, we're finally bridging that gap and, you know, putting it all together again, which is like, maybe, maybe those prequels just felt sort of all over the map. Like they turned me off because I thought they're just going to be for kids and they, you know, turned other people off because like, for example, this is ridiculous. My niece does not like them. And granted, it's, you know, it's the opinion of a four-year-old, but when you say we're going to watch a Star Wars movie and, you know, and her dad puts in one of those, she's like, where's Princess Leia? She does not care. Which is such a cool... Queen Amidala doesn't doesn't do it for her? No way, man. Wow. Which I think speaks so highly of that, um, that new idea of the princess that george lucas gave us of like the princess that doesn't need to be rescued you know mm-hmm. like she has to rescue herself from her rescuers well let's talk and- about that because there's there it's every possibility in my opinion that daisy ridley's character is the daughter of han and leia right so she is essentially a princess herself um then and we'll see i mean i have all i think there's a lot of things that you know people that that lucas or disney now wants to that I, I'm pretty sure there are some. There are going to be some revelations in the in this trilogy that we will never see coming. Allah, I am your father. I right. think that's. I think when they set this up, they're like, "What is the next version of that?" Yeah. I think there's also some things that if you are, if you, if you, you know, have a brain and you're paying enough attention, you can, you know, are probably coming. Like, you know, Daisy Ridley's probably. I'm assuming, you know, Hanalea's daughter for whatever reason, like abandoned on this planet. I'm right. also thinking that Kylo Ren might be her brother. Um, you know, and I hope to God it's not a I am your brother. I hope that's not a end I am of your movie. Brother. I hope that's gonna be that will be as bad as oh you haven't seen it yet, but that will be as bad as Darth Vader at the end of Revenge of the Sith going, No, you know, which, which is basically <laughs> that that one moment. Yeah. That whole movie was badass until that moment, and then you're like, Oh god, it's like they couldn't they just couldn't end on a good note. It's like, no, oh, and you have James Earl Jones, you know, coming back, doing his damnedest to give that some, some gravity. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh God, but, but all that to be said, um, a couple of the things about the new, and it's interesting as we talk to the first story on the top of IO nine, literally in the last five minutes, what are you most excited for in the force awakens? Um, and I'm watching there. They've got an animated gif of tie fighters fighting. There's a couple things that don't get reported on a lot as far as the new movies go that I think, you know, obviously there's the nostalgia factor. There's, you know, there's 
it's not even like they're hinting at Han. They put freaking Harrison Ford in the costume with with Chewie in the in the movie, right? So yeah. it's like they are. I mean, J.J. Abrams and and when I say J.J. Abrams, I mean the Star Wars team, Kathleen Kennedy, the whole yeah. the whole pack of them. We're like, we are going to connect this, you know, with with iron chains to the original series in a way that will be meaningful for everybody. But I also think things like you know, you don't hear you know the prequels turned what was a mysterious sort of you know samurai like warrior class of the jedi that was you know not really explained like the force it's not really it's more it's more mysterious there's much there's there's something more and your imagination can fill in the gaps any way you want it went from that to oh no no it's it's all science midichlorians are a a you know a form of bacteria that can inhabit you and that's what you get the the your force sensitivity from and it's all very it's they turned it into like a you know, almost like a, a a religion in the in the worst sense. You know, it went from mystery and entry to like this is what it is, and and here's who we are, and this it's dogma if you if you say the, you, if you do these things. And I feel like we're getting kind of back to some of that mysterious kind of like what is the force? Like, is there you know even to the point where in the trailer Han Solo is like it's real. You know, yeah. it's like like the, like people had kind of forgotten like what is what are Jedi? What are what is the force? Is it you know? Can anybody be a Jedi? Does it have to just be these people who have, you know, genetic superiority? Like, what is it? Yeah. Um, that I think is plays a huge, a huge, uh, is, is a huge factor in just my my interest because it really that when it, they framed it in that way and it, and it's such a simple line where just Han Solo goes, it's it's all real, it's all true. Yeah. Like that line sort of in my head made it click and go, oh, that's where we're back in that mode again. Of yeah, you know, we don't. There's this, and there's this like serious, like, you know, hard, you know, there's a military conflict with a military resolution that's, you know, a tried and true battle kind of like that exists. But over, but over here, we're also playing this other very mysterious kind of game of, of families and intrigue. And, you know, we don't, you know, powers that we can't explain. And like, that's all, that's all back to, and I'm just, I'm, I am, that's, what's feeling my excitement. Yeah. Um, and a granted too, you know, JJ and company, you know, they've gone to, They've gone out of the way to make everything practical. You know, they yeah. tried to. They, even though I mean, there's a, you know, there's a crap ton of CGI in this thing for sure. Oh but, yeah. Um, you know, wherever they can, they put in a practical, a practical effect. So I don't know. I'm really. Hang on, just a second here. I was I was trolling through the IO9 comments, <laughs> looking to see what other people are saying. I need to not do that. Um, do you think though? I mean, let me ask you this. Uh, speaking of the new the new movies. Do you think we're getting too much? Are they going to burn us out? Because the way the schedule looks, and we can put the we can pop oh, the yeah. schedule in the show notes as well. The way the schedule looks, we're going to have a Star Wars movie a year every year until at least twenty twenty. Um, is that is that overload? Is that I mean, is 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 there no such thing as too much with when it comes to Star Wars? What I mean, what are your personal thoughts? I had not seen that schedule until you shared it. I mean, I looked at it before we started recording, um, and. Uh, honestly, I think I was kind of a little excited, but it was easy to go, well, I'm not going to care about this rebel one garbage (laughs) or -hmm. whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, I hate to give like some vague, like, well, time will tell. Um, but I, there's definitely a lot riding on the force awakens and, um, yeah, but you say that like it's. It, I mean, that sort of presupposes it may not do well. I mean, it's going to be the biggest. Oh, it's going to be huge. But like, I mean, 
you know, like, I mean, it, I don't know. It's I got my fingers crossed for a good movie, but I mean, if it has some, you know, like what my my friend Todd likes to point out that all J.J. Abrams movies have this like weird twist right at the end, and you're like that came out of nowhere, and it's not well, necessarily wonder, doesn't necessarily make you feel like things resolved. Do you think and, that's going to be the reveal of Luke? Because he has been absent from all the materials, and I'm wondering like, are they saving that for a big end of the movie? Like, and he you know he steps out of the shadows or something at the end is. God, he's I, hope dead. I hope he's like a part of the movie, you know? What if they um, find out that Luke is dead and his force ghost appears at the end? His like, ghost. I like mean, like, Obi-Wan and yeah, yeah. So you, the entire time you think we're, we're trying to find Luke and they show up at the planet where he might be, but instead, like, you know, a blue shimmering version of him appears, like, oh shit, he's been dead this whole time. Like, I mean, what if it's that? I have not pondered all of these possibilities. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> what you when you when you ask the question about like is it too many movies? I actually thought you were going to go to are we you know have we gone from not hearing enough about this movie to hearing so much in the last two weeks before it comes out? Um, I, I and and I think to me that all sort of feeds together of like God when does the Star Wars burnout occur? You know. Well, um, they've been asking that about Marvel now for five years, and we still haven't quite hit it yet, although it looks like it might be on the horizon. Um, well, there's definitely um, – you know, I think Marvel's got the right idea, and Dis- of course that's Disney, you know, as well, like of – you know, there's going to there's gonna be a shift, you know, like yeah. there's going to there's, there's gonna be the Captain America Civil War, and then at that point on, there's going to sort of be a new set of heroes as far as I understand. We're not going to well, – and, you know. and they're exploring new territory. I mean, like Doctor Strange is not going to be like anything you've seen. As a right. Black Panther is going to be a totally different kind of movie. Like they're going in these different creative directions. I do. I, I'll just join you in saying time will tell because I, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm I'll see all of these unless I, unless I have a good reason not to, I'll see, you know, I'll go and they're, they're coming out, you know, and the fact they're doing one a year is a good, is a good move. Um, I'm intrigued that they're bouncing around between summer and December and they're not just locking in every December between now and 2020. I thought the same thing. Yeah. You know, you'd think that, especially with Lord of the Rings, one of the successes of that strategy was it was, you knew three years in a row, every, every year, exactly the same time, a new Lord of the Rings was coming out. So you can build your your expectations around that. And you're, you know, just your, you can end your year knowing I'm going to see the next Lord of the Rings this year and and build your family friend get-togethers and all that crucial stuff you know well and maybe i'm um i i i don't know exactly if i'm misremembering this or not but um i i know for a fact that when they announced there would be a third hobbit movie they said it's going to be it's going to come out six months later so oh you're right yeah it's going to gonna come in december and number three is going to be in may like a back that, to the future and then yeah. that didn't happen yeah. Right. That's they right. pushed that to December. And, and I, so I kind of think that one of the things they're doing with Star Wars is we're getting Force Awakens. Then we're getting this anthology part. That, and I don't even know why they're starting with like whatever it's called, Rebel One or Force One or whatever that thing is Rogue like One. Rogue One. That's what it is. I, I don't know why they're starting with that instead of like the Han Solo movie or the Boba Fett one, because I just don't know that people are going to be that interested in Rogue One. But anyway, then the then. Episode eight is slated for May of yeah. 2018 or something. It's like not that. even like Basically, they're saying- like they're not giving since they know they can't have episode eight out next year. Yeah. It's like they're trying to get it out as soon as possible after that. Yeah, that was kind of my impression of like they they know the anthology is not really going to be a good placeholder. I but I almost wish they'd flip flop it. Like just put the canon movies out 
in December and then put the anthologies out in the summer. I was just going to say that like that. And that would give them a different tone and a different feel. Yeah. You go into the summer ones thinking, oh, this is a different kind. I, I mean, know. call me crazy, but I really <laughs> feel like the time in which you release content, whether it be music, a book, a movie, it really plays in on the perception of the people watching it. Like yeah. I could never imagine Lord of the Rings coming out in the summertime. It would right. just, it would feel like a completely different movie. But the fact that it was during Christmas and there was a... I know you're with family and friends and just this feeling of, of that with, you know, you got these, these other group of friends going on this adventure. Like it just, it felt, it felt like a Christmassy, you know, and not that it was Christmas in tone or theme, but like, it just had that, that vibe just felt like well, it belonged to that time of the year. So I just, I can't yeah. imagine. I mean, guardians of the galaxy, like if that had come out at Thanksgiving, eh, who would have cared? Yeah, it would have been. A, I mean, not, not that we wouldn't have cared, but it wouldn't have had that feel of like that was like such a fun summer movie, you know, Pacific yeah. Rim, like things like that. Oh, like, yeah. you know, that they are defined a lot by where they fall on the calendar. I think. So. And I'm just, I'm surprised. <laughs> I think more than anything, that's the most baffling thing about just when they're putting these out. And I'm, sh I'm sure a lot of it is, well, we're Disney and we own you know two other gigantic franchises in Pixar and Marvel, and we already have those other slots taken, and we don't want to cannibalize our own stuff. Maybe yeah. that's part of it. I mean, at this at this juncture, when you're Disney, you have to look at the calendar and go, "Oh God, like where do we put anything?" I mean, it's you own so much successful stuff. Like, what do you do? Um, yeah. So well, maybe that's it almost it, it almost feels to me like with Force Awakens, not that they've rushed it, but from the time from announcement to final like <laughs> production was really quick. You think you know? so? And I'm sure that it was in. Um, you know, in development before that, but they didn't even announce JJ being on board, I think until 2013. That's and true. So, but they took a big when Harrison Ford got injured. So it feels like to me, it feels like this has been bubbling for a while. I mean, they announced I, the it does. I mean, on 2012 coming, right. We just didn't have JJ confirmed. So I'm sure he was working, but, but, you know, in light of like some, some Hobbit information that's come out recently, like the, I guess when the Blu-ray of Five Armies came out, um, Peter Jackson talked about how uh, they didn't wind the clock back to make The Hobbit once oh, Del Toro right. dropped off. And he makes this comment about, we worked on Lord of the Rings pre-production for three years before we had a, like a camera you know, on yeah, set. Yeah. So for Hobbit to ramp up in a few months you know, was like extraordinary. And <clears throat> so you think about that like in terms of Star Wars. I mean – they built a Millennium Falcon and they must have, you know, built it really damn quick. Like, <laughs> like how well, did, you know, did, was the story already done before JJ came on and were the people building sets before he came on or let's be honest. This, I mean, this is one of the few, if not the only movie in the world that there is no, there is no budget ceiling. Like, right, true. Whatever you need to make it happen, go, you know, do it. Here's the thing though. Lawrence Kasten, JJ Abrams, and Michael Arndt wrote the screenplay. So JJ was intimately involved with the writing. I mean, right. Kasten might have had like an outline, but like they, I mean, they jumped in. You're, you make a good point though, with all the practical stuff going on. That's a big boatload of stuff that had to be done to shoot this thing. Yeah. But again, I, I, I think it's a case of there. It, and I can't imagine, like I, oh, I can't imagine what the final true, not the not the PR released budget number, but the final true budget number for this thing actually was. Because it's like when you say money is no, I mean this is kind of one of a you know, money is no object kind of. I mean Disney's gonna Disney knows it's gonna recoup. 
in the first hour of ticket sales, Disney has probably recouped everything they need just to make this thing. Well, it, yeah, have you seen this news about how they're downplaying the, the pre-sales? Because they've already made $50 million plus in pre-sales. Yeah. So they've already That's... made like half of what last week's <laughs> top box office did, you know? Just in pre-sales, yeah. yeah. I mean, when was the last time you a movie had that high, I mean, sold out as like a concert, like sold out in pre-sales. Like that's, you know, it's I wonder, are we going to get to the point where movies like, where I mean, maybe Star Wars is the first one to do it, where we have, you know, just like with concerts, you have to buy VIP tickets that have like, you well, know, that's what like, we're doing, right? I mean, that's why you're talking about, you know, waiting to see it at the Alamo Draft House and stuff like, but I mean, like, every, I mean, every ticket bought is the same yeah. price. You know, you can, the, the ticket for row five center seat is the same price as the ticket for, yeah. you know, back of the theater what if we get to the point what if theaters decide to start tiering it and you know for 80 bucks you get the ticket and you get like this and you get like an autograph like lithograph or something you're like what if that <laughs> god we may be headed i would love to i would love to check back in like two years from now and see if we if that hasn't if if you know um regal cinemas hasn't decided that that's a new way to well, roll because what and the reason i bring this up is Name one other movie where people would literally pay anything to see it opening night. And I mean anything, like 200 bucks for a ticket. Like wh- what other movie is that, is that going to happen with besides this one? Yeah, n- nothing. I mean I, <laughs> I, n- I, I, can't, I really can't think of anything that would be remotely like that. Like, you know, um, th- there's certainly nothing I've felt that way about. Uh, and th- the other side of that is that Everyone I know who's not going on opening night to this is so guarded about what they're learning about the movie. Like already, we're oh, all sort of great. tense of like, oh, that week after, like that week between the 18th and whenever Damn we get it. to see it. I, I am subconsciously guilty of this. I didn't even think about it. I have been – well, part of it is they've been – I don't know how the hell they have kept so many – like so much of this secret like it is yeah. only what you see in the trailers and fan speculation and there has you know with almost every movie there's like a leaked set i mean good god the, the third batman movie the third nolan batman movie like you saw oh, yeah. it online before it even came out because every every shot like you saw bane and batman fighting in the snow and some you know some fan shot it from like a business office window in chicago yeah. so it's like you said i have we haven't i mean with the exception of one luke skywalker production shot that got promptly deleted that's the only thing i've ever seen out of you know out of plan as it were yeah and so like part of that i think i just subconsciously i'm like well i don't want to know like usually i'll be on i'll be on morning io9's morning spoilers i'm on almost every day and i'm one of those guys who like I've got I have I have such low confidence in being truly dazzled anymore that I would rather know the ending and then just so I know my expect I'm like okay cool that's where the, that's so it's going to end like I want then it's the the enjoyment is seeing how they execute that <laughs> you know so I've, that's kind of where I've gotten to in my life where I'm like I'm so tired of being burned like lost and everything <laughs> since it has threw me so off and I'm like I can't I can't you know, I'll read the ending to make sure this is this is at least going to be worth it and then I'll be like okay now the journey will be fun. Star Wars I'm kind of like I don't I want to be I want to be truly sort of surprised and like yeah. you know go in and enjoy it like a movie like we like we used to so again going back to kind of the you know the fervor I think a lot of it was just how deftly they're playing their marketing hand. You know yeah. they're really yeah. They're making this feel like an old school release, like before the internet, like how were movies, you know, you didn't know what, what, if, you know, Marty and Doc were going to make it back, you know, back to the present. Like you just didn't, like, you you didn't even know who Marty and Doc were going into the first Back to the Future movie. Like now, God, if you imagine them releasing Back to the Future today, 
like you'd see Jesus Christ, you'd see like Oh, yeah. here's yeah, here's Michael J. Fox in in old person makeup. So we know that he's gonna, you know, they're gonna have an old version of him. Or, yeah, exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. Or there's Jon Snow walking around in Ireland. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. We got it. We got to. We got to do that. Part of that, though, that I'm using that to lead in is that um, that we're not left with any like like cliffhangers. You yeah. know, which is such a weird thing. It's that the last movies we saw were the prequels, and yeah. we know what happened after them. Oh, you're they right. The, yeah, they were the original trilogy. So we're all kind of in brand new territory with this, which is the problem that Game of Thrones has is that they're they're constantly trying to stop spoilers because they're constantly leaving things on ridiculous cliffhangers and stuff like that that people want answered. You know, yeah. and it's like well, we know what happened after the last movies. Um, I wonder know. how self-contained these are going to be, by the way, because you think back to the did, original yeah. Star Wars movie, you, you didn't need Empire Strikes Back. You could have watched Star Wars and there could have been nothing else after and it would have been just as enjoyable yeah. and it would have started and ended and there you go. But it, the fact that it was, you know, and it's, it's almost odd that that happened knowing that Lucas wanted to make two more from the get go. Yeah. Right. Like, it's weird that Star Wars one ended so so the resolution was so complete, like they get awarded and then the, the story's over. Whereas obviously two, you know, there's a massive cliffhanger at the end of two that was intentionally put there. I wonder if Force Awakens is going to have a nice tidy ending that, you know, suggests more or if it's going to be a, you know, to be continued. Well, do of- we know that um, Harrison Ford and um, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are coming back in eight and nine, or are they only signed up for seven? Ah, that's a great question. <clears throat> I think I saw something that suggests they'll be involved somehow, but I don't, I mean, they haven't even started filming yet. So I don't even know. I mean, they started filming rogue one, but they haven't started episode eight. I don't think so. It's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, clearly these three movies are going to attach to each other structurally somehow. The question is, yeah. is going to be, can they stand alone as well? Or is it going to be, do you have to, watch all three to really i mean is it going to be a trilogy in that sense well hopefully it's going to be like the star trek movies <laughs> um although it, it really does feel like such a different universe even when i think of that but hopefully it'll be like that where it just it really you know restores the balance like we, you know we're back in the star universe and then we don't have to sort of worry about the sequel kind of ah, you know okay like, like when they when the prequels came out, we knew well. There's two more, and I think that was like, you know, we know that now. But yeah, it just in some other, you know, I, I don't know. It just seemed like a much much higher stakes then. Maybe it was because we knew we had four, five, six, so we knew he had to do one, two, three. He wasn't just going to do one or one. Yeah, and but two do you think something. the audience is the audience so conditioned now for that that mid credits tag? You know, is it? <laughs> Has Marvel kind of, I mean, has Marvel kind of ruined us by insisting that, oh, no, there's always something more? And, you know, is that by by virtue of it being a Disney property, is there pressure for you guys, you know, for there to be a a mid-credits reveal that or a post-credits reveal that everybody sits around and waits for? Or is it going to be old school in the fact that, like, no, we don't do that. That that wasn't how the originals were, and we're not going to mess with that. Like, I wonder which way they'll take it. I wish they would just cut that shit out. It is so stupid. Um, the, those like, yeah, those tags. I mean, I, on one hand, I get that it's clever. It it's, you know, it's a way of bridging the movies with, 
but still leaving the movie to be a standalone, you know, mm. but um, man, sometimes it's frustrating to like, just sit there and think, okay, what, <laughs> you know, what, what are we going to get this time? And then when it's not an actual plot device that gets you into the next movie or hints at it, it just, you know, it's just like a zinger that they put in at the end. Ugh, yeah. which I think, I think it pisses DC off too. Cause I think a lot of people sat around man of steel <laughs> waiting, waiting and waiting. I even, it was funny. I went to man of steel and there was even a sign. There was a sign put on the door that says no mid credits or post credits scene is, wow. is, is included just because I think it had a lot of people sitting around waiting and then bitching as they came out of the theater, like, where is it? And then the theater's yeah. like, we, we didn't make this like you, yeah. <laughs> you, we, we didn't show this. So I think they're just like, I think just to, alleviate some of that you know consternation yeah but it's, it's interesting like i don't know i i uh, there's so many ways the story could go i could easily see there being I, I think it will probably be a nice combination of the the core story of the movie is wrapped up but there is clearly a bigger mystery unfolding that will be alluded to and you know what phantom menace actually did do that i should have i never i never even thought of that phantom menace you watch it start to finish and it works as a standalone story. Hmm. It leaves a big – there's a big question mark over a couple of things, but you don't necessarily – it's not like, you know, cut to black to, right. to be continued. It's, it's like, yeah, to be continued, but you enjoy this for what it is. Well, do you um, think um, – did Attack of the Clones not have that or did Attack- it wrap up as well? Or maybe you just don't even remember. Maybe you've wiped that no. out of your memory. Attack <laughs> of the Clones – definitely insisted a a yeah. conclusion although huh. it's so bad it's, it's it's hard to even think about attack of the clones that way because <laughs> it's just so clunky and just ugh, ugh. you think about i mean as soon as i'll tell you my i i now that you bring up attack of the clones the one time i could feel what you felt for the new additions was when i saw um phantom menace again on dvd and they had replaced in the original version of Phantom Menace, keep in mind, 1999, Wait, they, they replaced y- something from theater to DVD. Yes, Yoda was the puppet, and then I think the first versions or the first run of DVDs had him as the puppet. But since then, if you go buy the Phantom Menace on iTunes or Amazon or whatever, it's going to be digital Yoda because they in Attack of the Clones and Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, Yoda was digital. Um, in Fa- in Phantom Menace, he's the puppet, and I'm like it. When you take a Muppet and you make it a digital thing like that, I see why they did it in Attack of the Clones. But like going back and rewatching Phantom Menace, and you can go Google it, you'll see before and after shots, and it's just like, no, Yoda's a no, he's meant to be that. Like, don't mess with Yoda. Like, uh. and it's it's not even that they digitize digitizing him is fine, but they digitized him to look so different. Like right. the digitized version of Loga, Loga Yoda looks incredibly different than the puppet version that you saw on screen so it's like the same scene and you're like what's wrong he has more hair his shape his head is like contoured differently like he's got different like clothing material like it's a very different looking kind of character so i'm just like eh, eh. Oh. wow yeah i'll i'm i'm i've already googled that i will i will be watching that because i, <laughs> I can't believe that they did even yeah, like how petty and ridiculous or something it's obnoxious. Let me ask you this. We got to start wrapping this up. Let me ask you this though. Sure. Do you are, do you like that there is a Kevin Feige brand manager sort of position in Kathleen Kennedy 
over Star Wars. You think that will serve it well. And I'll take, I'll add on to that. It seems that they are replicating not only the model of the original series where there's like George Lucas is kind of the, the, you know, in essence, George Lucas was the brand manager, if you will, of the first three. And he had other people it's, it's modeling that, but it's also modeling the Marvel situation where they bring in, you know, newer directors. I mean, Jage is a little bit, you know, is obviously more high profile, but Ryan Johnson's still fairly new. Um, there's, there's a lot of, they're, they're bringing in different talent to, you know, sculpt a different vision, but there's still like a cohesive brand and story that's being adhered to. Do you think that will serve this well? Well, I, um, I've heard her name a lot and I just don't know. I, I didn't know too much about her, her role and everything, but I, I definitely think that's the way to approach it. Just given, especially what we just talked about with, you know, the, the George Lucas being the like only guy making the calls on the prequels, because uh, to me, that was one of the, the biggest stories that came out of the prequels was looking back at the original trilogy and going, Oh, Lucas didn't direct these. He didn't write them solo, you know? And, uh, and it, and at least the way I'd always heard it was that Lawrence Kasdan was such a huge, like, um, you know, engine in those of like getting them together and stuff. And so, uh, you, you telling me about Gary Kurtz was like, that was just something that kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. I didn't really know. You know Lawrence had, Kasdan was the one who said it's, it's, um, I think it was him. It was going to be originally revenge of the Jedi. And he's like, Jedi don't take revenge. They, you know, that's what the sense, which is why it's interesting that it's Revenge of the Sith. I kind of thought that was a nice symmetry, but yeah. it's Lawrence Caston's like the one who's like, we don't. It's and he's funny too because he's saying it like while there's a Revenge of the Jedi poster, like you know they probably made a handful of them before they changed the, yeah. the marketing, but like there's a Revenge of the Jedi poster behind him. Oh um, yeah, in the documentary, <laughs> but, I haven't seen that, but I know there was like a. a uh, sort of artsy theater that I, I went to in Chicago that had one of those Revenge of the Jedi posters in it. And it was like, oh my God, where did you get this? There's a weird <laughs> Bioshock Infinite, one of my favorite games. I'm not a huge gamer, but that, I love that game. There is a, it deals with multiple realities um, quite a bit. Like that's a central tenet. And in one of the, they, they open a tear into another reality of like 1980s Earth. And that's the marquee on the, on the movie theater says Revenge <laughs> of the Jedi. And I'm just like, oh, that's great. That's a great little little shout well, out. I mean, the, you know, you bring up the symmetry between the movies, and and to give such huge credit to George Lucas is that, um, and oh, now I'm going to lose the exact term that he's used, but um, I, I think he called them uh, poetic. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, there was su- there was such a symmetry between the originals and the prequels, like in the terms of in terms of like which character was shot from which angle at, you know, which scene. And there's a, at least one um, uh, remix that you can find online that I, I'm pretty sure it's called Star Wars Poetry, which has sort of frame by frame on the original versus the prequel. And, you know, where you're seeing like, say Luke and Obi-Wan do, you know, have the exact same movement and shot and everything. And mm-hmm. so, as much as we deride these prequels or something, there really was a care put into them. Oh yeah. Maybe Lucas wasn't the best uh, handler of human emotion or director of human emotion stuff, but he definitely had that director's vision of, I want these three things to look like the other three things that I directed or, you know, that I had a hand in and, and definitely echo that across. And so 
Yeah, it was absolutely. I think Revenge of the Sith was was absolutely an echo of that, of saying like we're we're going to cause this revenge, call this, you know, revenge, revenge of the Jedi, and we didn't, and now we're going to, you know, call its you know its twin Revenge of the Sith. So yeah, well that just goes back. I mean, going back to kind of my other question too, like you know, Kathleen Kennedy, she's she's experienced. I mean, she's experienced. She's been around. She's part of Spielberg's production company for the longest time. Like she's she knows her stuff. I just I think it shows great wisdom, and as much as I hate Disney as like being so big and so you know so bitchy and 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 evil about copyrights and trademarks and things, <laughs> they understand how to manage franchises. Like they, I mean, you got to give them credit, like for buying Pixar and being like, you know, they could have absorbed Pixar completely into the fold, right. and they're like, no, it's a stand, it remains exactly as it is. John Lasseter is like the brand manager. Of Pixar, we're gonna let it stay exact. We're not gonna mess it. We're just gonna reap, reap all the rewards and plug it into all our other outlets and channels and and platforms that we can. Marvel, same thing. Like this is the guy who's in charge of this. You know, the film side of things at least. Like, and it's gonna. That's what. And Star Wars seems to be the same way. I I sort of like it. It makes it incredibly desirable to be one of those people because like, how much goddamn fun must you have if you are Feige <laughs> or Kathleen Kennedy? Basically, be like. I don't have to necessarily do a lot of the you know on the ground work. I mean, I'm sure it's an incredibly taxing job to to do what she does, but to basically be like, I get to influence these stories, but other people are going to fully execute them, you know. Yeah. And I get to sort of stay on the t- and basically be like a super fan almost, you know, at the end of the day, and and really make sure everything stays together and and stays humming, and and everyone has the money and the resources they need to do their jobs. But you know. Yeah, I love that idea of that role of like the ombudsman or whatever that that's going to sort of oversee the universe and make sure that you know we're all operating towards the same goal. And so I think that's like a it's a really cool thing. And and we've brought up Feige before, and I I think we have not mentioned Avi Arad, who was um, he was Marvel's like go to producer for so much. Like he was involved in all the Marvel movies before the MCU as we know it existed. So he oh, was actually okay. working across the studios. As far as I understand, like he was involved in not only the X-Men movies with Fox, but the Spider-Man movies with, you know, oh, McGuire yeah. over at Sony and the, you know, the Hulk movie. And like, so he was kind of, <clears throat> I think, really instrumental, at least as far as I recall, was instrumental in making sure when that generation of Marvel movies came out, that they reflected the comics, not like. You're not living in a, you know, we're not seeing a different universe on screen that we see in the in the comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you know Marvel Studios was born and they they rolled all that in, um, I think I think he may have been involved in the first few, but I, I don't think he's in the picture anymore. I think Feige sort of took that over, and it's, but it sounds like I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah, it sounds like a fun role to be in, but it also seems like such an essential role for maintaining a franchise and making sure that like. You know, we're all on the same page here. <laughs> well, especially there's when there's answers. Or... I mean, like for both, for both, there we're not just talking about movies. We're talking about TV shows, oh, yeah. animated series, comics, games, licensing. Like, there's so much involved in these properties now that on both sides, and you could even throw. I mean, on a smaller level, you could throw the Jim Henson Company in there too. That was, you know, that always goes overlooked as a Disney acquisition, but that was around the same time. It may even, but it may have even predated. Pixar maybe no I think it came right after Pixar but they bought the Jim Henson company too so it's like there's so much involved in kind of being that you know that that overseer you know the you know the steward of Gondor as it was as Mark Bernardin said on Fat Man and Batman I really like that it's (laughs) like you know it's like it's that's essentially 
and there's so and there's so many things you can do but i just i don't i like i was as we were talking i was going back and yes you look at the writing credits on the first three on the original trilogy and george lucas's name is in there but there's a bunch of other you know lawrence kasdan's involved obviously and there's a couple others and you look at the at phantom menace attack of the clones and and sith and it's george lucas and he had like one other guy on attack of the clones but that it was him it's basically him every step of the way well um and and just because it needs to be said and it's not it's not totally topical for this moment in our conversation but i gotta say one of the problems with those prequels has nothing to do with jar jar or the digital effects or the or whatever it's just that the stories about government bureaucracy are boring yeah like that was such a problem was that we totally removed this group of rebels you know fighting an imperial force and turned it into like um, a trade dispute. what are they called like yeah procedural dramas or something it's like a law and order of, of space or something yeah, you know like yeah. let's have our yeah our, our trade representatives meet with the new senator who's also a queen but she got elected to be queen nobody really understands that but whatever let's waste a lot of time on it yeah um, yeah just, oh man I, I think it was the simpsons did a parody of that like that was just dead on like after that first movie that you know like <laughs> where they go to see it and it's just like all this arguing over trade bills or something i like um, well and, and keep in mind i do kind of i mean it was kind of neat to see you know because if you're i mean if you're a writer or if you have you know if you like a like a story and you start to really think about it you're like i wonder how they do keep you know what is the law and order of this of this system like is there an empire how does it work you know where did it come from like how did you know and so you kind of want to see some of those details but i mean we could have done without all that i mean there's a lot of stuff we could have done without that it would have made a, a tighter movie. I don't know. I, I direct anybody who has true problems with the, with the prequel. There's a, ah, just go Google, like, or go to YouTube and type in like a better version of the prequels. And there's a guy, I forget his name. It, it, it's, it, it blew up. It's, it's got, you know, millions of hits, but it's a guy walking you through what an ideal version of the prequels would be. And I think he goes movie by movie. I, or he may, I think he may even have like a supercut where he, he basically walks you through what the story should have been. And he uses like screenshots and stuff. And his version is so damn good. And you're just like, it just makes you more mad. Cause you're like this, how did they miss this? This and he makes it more about Obi Wan's journey, and Anakin is there at first, but doesn't come in until later. And so, like you know, Phantom Menace would have been more about Obi Wan's journey and kind of that transition from him to from student to teacher. And it's it's much more about that. Um, I don't know. Just but go go find that if you're listening. And you're like I want I want to I want to delve. I, I want to just sort of swim around in what could have been. Like go find that video and, and watch it. It's really good. Is the one that you're referring to the one where he's taken all three and made it into one two hour movie? That or, or are they all separate? Because I mean, there's so many remixes, and I'm I'm thinking like we should put a remix. No, it's not a remix. It's him. It's literally a shot of him talking to the camera while like animations and stuff. And he walks you through and then it goes from voiceover, but it kind of cuts back to the guy explaining to you like what his version of it should have been. What is it? This isn't the seven part review of it, is it? Do you remember that? This guy did this epic like 70 minute review that before YouTube like had unlimited time, he had to split it up into like seven, 10 minute reviews. Um, um no no and now i can't okay. here we go here we go it's type in what if star wars episode one was good 
and the guy's got okay. a beard and he's got a beard and he's talking against like a green screen but like and he, so there's three videos so like what if star wars episode one two and three were good gotcha um, yeah i'm looking yeah there we go well we'll yeah. uh we'll definitely link this in the show notes um along with that star wars poetry video which i found and and some other things that we talked about when we were talking about all this stuff so because i think we've got so many cool links that if you haven't seen them like i mean there's like a unreal <laughs> amount of star wars remixes and re-edits and reviews and um yeah it's it do was... you think well let me ask let me let me kind of throw this at you too do you yeah. think one of the reasons for its its long-standing popularity is because there is so much fan content that hasn't been i mean oh i think that is a i think that is such a huge point and it's really hard to connect those dots except from just like a gut feeling way yeah. but I, I definitely I definitely think so. And I think, um, you know, part of the Disney acquisition has been sort of corporatizing a lot of that because I know, you know, for a long time, like I, I'd sort of point this out when we were riffing that the um, uh, there was a long running Star Wars series from Dark Horse Comics uh, that to me were always sort of like, oh, yeah, the you know, the the real dedicated fans like for the adults, like there's there's the Dark Horse Star Wars stuff and there were novels and all that kind of crap. But like. Marvel, you know, when Disney got it, Marvel put out a Star Wars line of comics that are doing really well. And they're, you know, they they look beautiful and they're great quality and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they definitely maybe uh, brought some of that, <laughs> you know, outer edges of creation in, you know, a little bit more into the house. Um, but it, putting all that aside, I mean, there's so many fan films and there's so many, you know, just like cosplay groups. I mean, there's the uh, 501st Legion and, you know, and the, uh, the, the, I can't remember the rebels right now, but they, they have one. And it's like all of that community has fed into this uh, existing for so long in this, in this way, which is just amazing to me because I don't know. I just don't, I I don't know that you see that like literally in that, in that same way. I mean, when you point to it, like with comic books or something, yeah. But I mean, Batman's mm-hmm. been around for, 70 years or something yeah, i mean yeah. you know this is star wars it was started 40 years ago like <laughs> there's an not... interesting point though i mean like you talk about is there too much i mean you raise a great point batman has been around for forever and i mean there's not I mean they're gonna keep making batman movies um so maybe i mean it's as long as they don't mess it up which I think in the short term they're more than fine. I don't. I don't see that. You know, I think everybody's. I think everybody's universally very excited about all of this. I mean, even I'm sure George Lucas at some point too was just like, he's got to be a little bit happy that he it, should it, be. It I was mean, in such good hands. You know, it's not like, yeah, he is like he is such a legend, and what he has given us is so. But so much the good things that he has done so outweigh the nitpicky little crap that we have problems with. That like, yeah. there's just no. I mean, even if you like, even if when I go to watch these prequels, if I just hate the crap out of them, I'm still not going to think like, oh, George Lucas, you ruined my childhood. I'm going to be like, well, whatever. You know, I mean, you you make a lot of art. You, you know, some of it isn't as good, whatever. Like, it's just he's done so much cool stuff. Like he's made modern movies. Yeah. So I mean, we we wouldn't have I mean, we wouldn't have the Red Epic or DSLRs in general, not because of him, but he was I mean, keep in mind, he developed whatever that version of the Sony digital camera was. He was the first, I think, to actually do a a full movie start to finish with a digital camera without yeah. film. Yeah. Um, and, I, and that I'm going to get yelled at by somebody who's like, no, 
somebody with a mini DV cam. I'm sure I know there were like I know like there was like a Swedish or Icelandic like film movement where they shot it all in like DSLRs or VHS tapes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like professional grade, you know, total film replacement, high budget yeah. movie. I think Attack of the Clones was the first to do it. Well, he, it uh, it takes somebody like Lucas of that stature to to modernize something so quickly, you know, and to like cause it to be adopted. I mean, that's and that's what Peter Jackson did, you know, with uh, um, with the red cameras on the Hobbit. Yeah, like, yeah. It just just pushed that envelope until nobody could ignore it anymore. Like, well, it helps too when you have the the, the heavy hitting money that is behind a massively popular franchise too right i mean yeah you you gotta have that like until that it's all just like the you know it's the outlier of success or whatever but um but yeah i mean just lucas's like contributions to to filmmaking are so vast that i can't you know he he should feel so totally relieved that he doesn't have to be the one you know accepting blame for all the stupid nitpicky stuff that people are absolutely going to find in all of the movies that come up, you know, were I him, I would be, I mean, this is me, but were I him, I would be delighted to be like, here's this thing that I imagined 40 years ago that I got to make, but now they're going to make more than I ever could. I can just go as a fan and enjoy this thing that is still that that I thought up that is, that will feel new to me, but it's still the thing that I thought up. Like that would, that's gotta be the sweetest position to be in where it's like, Here's and, and not only that, it's like here are these people who freaking love the original thing that I created so much. They're going to honor it so truthfully and faithfully that they're going to put all these different spins on characters that I thought up, and I get to I get to watch them in totally new adventures. Like, yeah, it's got to be that's that it must that has to be the ultimate version of winning. Like oh, yeah. money aside, I mean the dude's worth billions, but like just from a creatively satisf- satisfying standpoint, to go, I made this and and. and J.K. Rowling's, you know, she's writing the, um, uh, what are the, I was gonna say, Beasts of the Southern Wild. What's the, what's the Harry Potter extension series they're doing? Um, mm. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, okay. But I'll I would say the same thing about her. So like, the, you know, there's a whole new run of Harry Potter, like, you know, not prequels, but like early history Harry Potter movies coming out. And, you know, if she wasn't involved with writing them, I would imagine it would be the same thing where it's like, here's this thing that I thought up that was, didn't even exist. It was just in my head that I got to make for a while. And now somebody else is making it incredibly loyal. And I get to watch. I mean, the fact that the new content doesn't have to come from my head, but I still get to appreciate it. And it's done at the highest level. Like that's, yeah, God, that there's something so wonderful. And just like, I, I, I would want that for myself if I could ever find it. Like that would be amazing. Right. And this idea too that like, you know, I'd ha- I'd hate to feel that he's he's sort of bowed out because of criticism of the prequels. Um, as grumpy as I may have been about them at the, I wasn't even I didn't like take to the internet and bitch about the prequels at the time. I just didn't go see them, you yeah. know. But yeah. with the example that springs to mind immediately is when we saw that first trailer for the Force Awakens, and immediately people were like. Well, how the fuck does that R2 unit just roll around like that? Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, people. It's a sci-fi fantasy epic. We don't care about the physics of this rolling R2 droid. <laughs> like they are going people are going to nitpick whatever you do in this universe. You know, it's yeah. so it's so yeah. detailed anyway. Like it's much better for Lucas to to step back and just let some other people play in the, you know, in the sandbox for a while. So that he I mean Stan Lee. It. Stan Lee's a great example of that. Like Stan Lee gets to basically go and, you know, he, 
he may secretly hate like all the new MCU movies, but like every time he talks about it, he's like, Oh, isn't it incredible? Captain America on the script. Oh yeah. With a budget that he could have never, he would have never even imagined like the success of these things that he put on, you know, that he dreamed up in his head, like all of a sudden live in their own, you know, realistic worlds. Like, and he still gets, and he gets to be alive to see that. Like, Oh my God, this thing that I thought up here it is. And like, yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's there's a whole dark side to this where George Lucas is just like, you don't understand. I can't even go out with somebody yelling at me about Jar Jar Banks. Like, <laughs> and now he can just be like, fuck it. You guys, I, I don't, it's not me anymore. I don't have to deal with it. Like, it's not my problem. I think part of it too is he's long talked about doing, you know, smaller indie movies again, you know, 45 years later. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, he well, did that Red Tails movie like two or three years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, exactly. That wasn't small so much, but I think he, he mentioned he's like, now I get to, I don't have to deal with Star Wars anymore. Or the, you know, the business aspect, I could just go make weird little quirky movies and just do that, which, you know, yeah. we'll see if it happens. I think when the prequels came out, there was, a, and, you know, there's this other um, line that, that came out in the marketing of Lucas saying, you know, I've, I've waited all this time to do them right, and I'm finally going to tell the this, this story. But in my mind, it's like, you know what? If you had the story to tell the prequels and then 789, you would have just done it in the 80s. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't buy that excuse of, like, he was waiting for the technology. I mean, <clears throat> maybe in some way, but I, I just, as a person who sits down and, and tries to write stories, like, if you're really interested in telling the story, like, you're just going to sit down and write it anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not necessarily waiting for the better typewriter to come along or whatever, you know, so I, I really think that, you know, we, we kind of like he sort of he contributed so much. And that's that's kind of where, you know, where his contributions have, you know, uh, where they lay, for lack of a better term. Like, they're you know, he's I, I hate to say he's done with it. Maybe he's still contributing to the Star Wars universe in different ways. But but, um, you know, I don't I don't think he really had that energy to go do these three more movies yeah. that. Even though he wanted to, even though he had talked about them, um, you know, if he, like I said, if he'd had the ideas for them, I think they already would have been made. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think it's a great place to wrap up. I think we could, you know, I do want to come back. If you're listening, um, there may be a third. We can definitely split this thing into two. I mean, for sure. But I think there's a third episode. If you go and see at least Revenge of the Sith, um, because I... I've say I kind of held back some of my my notes just because I didn't want to oh, spoil man. it for you, but also I really I I think there's a discussion there about that movie and okay. what works and what doesn't because I I remember walking out of that movie and it's been ten years it was 2005 and I was I wow. remember I and a couple people from Echo went and, and saw it um I walked out of that movie distinctly like f- excited but also like because eh, there's just there was enough stuff that was just like oh man but excited because it really delivered for the first time of any of those prequels like a lot of stuff that i was hoping for i mean there's huh. a lot of badass moments in that movie um that i think you know I, I i'm glad are there that a lot of people might you know bristle at or something but there's a lot of there's a lot of good acting hidden christensen was standing that but just moments mo- you know <laughs> things that you as a fan are like oh my god like just seeing God, I don't even want to spoil. I, I don't want to spoil anything because you haven't even seen Attack of the Clones. So there, I, there's something right. I can't even reference without giving it away. That's, well, I, you know, I, I I've totally given up any spoiler warning like liberty I might have. Like if you if but um if you needed to ruin something, I would say ruin it. But no, I do like dude. the idea that we do another. Let's do a follow up when I've when I've seen them um, because I will watch them all before going into seven. I'm going to try to watch all six. Nice. But, um, 
Uh, I should do that too. I should watch at least the first, the original trilogy. I haven't seen it for a while. It's one of those movies that just, I don't know. It's, it's, I need to at least watch just the original star Wars and just kind of wrap, wrap my head back in that world. Cause it'll give me a better way to compare, you know, force awakens in terms of tone and everything just to see how close yeah. it is. Yeah. I'm yeah, man. I thought this was a great conversation. I'm happy to talk about star Wars some more. <laughs> There's so much we could literally just talk about this all the time and all the crazy stuff that we found on the internet about it. Well, hopefully if you're listening, you enjoyed listening about Star Wars this whole time. If you are yeah. still listening, you're true saints. I mean, honestly, like we I, I I look at the clock every once in a while, I'm like, oh my God, it's been an hour. Oh my god, it's been two hours. Wow. Oh wow. I I wasn't even keeping track. So I'm, I'm... I know. I think we're at two and a half. If <clears> we started around two, right. we started a little late. So about two two and a two and a quarter. So basically we, if we go for another 30 minutes, we hit like Hobbit length for one yep. film. Exactly. <laughs> and then we can come back and do a four-hour like commentary track. Director's commentary. About our <laughs> So let's definitely split this into two. Um, uh, yeah, that'll be cool. There's a, there's a version where it's like, you hear that click in the background. That was when I was standing up to go get water. And it's like, <laughs> we do a commentary track about the, po- I wonder if that's ever been done. I wonder if anyone's been so audacious to be like, download our podcast and coming next week, the commentary track to our podcast. God, so how listen- awful. <laughs> I, although it would be hilarious to just have us in a room listening to a podcast and both of us cringing and, and yeah. giving our feedback on it, trying to talk over. <laughs> Please don't listen to this part of the podcast. I sound like an ass. It'd be a lot of cringing. Although I, there's something kind of spinal tapping about a, a commentary track for a podcast that I'm, I'm almost like we should, yeah. that should happen at some point. Well, anyway, right. how do, how do folks find you online if they're looking for you? Uh, I am at Hey Todd a on Twitter and Hey Todd And you are, I am, uh, at Taylor Trask, T A Y L O R T R A S K. Yep, at uh, at Twitter, and you can also find me at taylortrask.com. Um, you know, random postings on LinkedIn and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So, and so we are at toddtaylor.com, yes. um, where you can find all of our episodes because we now have two seasons and like maybe fourteen episodes or so. We get a lot yeah. of episodes. It's good. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, man. Cool. cool. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll talk to you all later. It's been good talking to you, sir. And uh, good we'll talking to you as well. Good, uh, a good conversation. All righty. See you guys. All right. Later.